the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The U.S. will provide an additional $625 million in military assistance to Ukraine. We're going to continue to provide military equipment so that Ukraine can defend itself. New Hampshire sends 164 National Guard members to help bolster the southern border. It directly affects New Hampshire when you're talking about the human trafficking. Elon Musk is moving forward with his Twitter buyout at the original price of $54.20 a share. If he really did still want Twitter in his heart of hearts, he might have had to pay even more for it a year from now. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, October 5th. I'm Mike Scott. The Biden administration and its international allies are hunting for votes at the U.N. this week in their quest to get as many countries as possible to support an historic resolution slamming Russia's territorial claim in Ukraine. I want to also speak to uh, uh, Mr. Putin's remarks this morning. You know, uh, America and its allies are not going, let me emphasize, are not going to be intimidated, are not going to be intimidated by Putin and his reckless words and threats. He's not going to scare us, and he doesn't or intimidate us. Putin's actions are a sign he's struggling. The sham referenda he carried out and the, this routine he put on. Don't worry, it's not on there if you're looking, okay? The, uh, um, he, uh, the sham routine that he put on this morning that's showing the unity and, you know, as people holding hands together. Well, the United States is never going to recognize this. And quite frankly, the world's not going to recognize it either. He can't seize his neighbor's territory and get away with it. It's as simple as that. President Biden also says that the U.S. will defend all NATO territory. We're going to continue to provide military equipment so that Ukraine can defend itself and its territory and its freedom, including additional resources that the Congress is going to give me today of $13 billion more dollars to help the Ukrainians defend themselves and fight back. And we're fully prepared to defend, I want to say this again, America is fully prepared with our NATO allies to defend every single inch of NATO territory. Every single inch. So, Mr. Putin, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Every inch. And I have to be, I've been in close touch with, uh, with our... Uh, allies. Uh, We're announcing uh, new sanctions today as well, that including new authorities to sanction anyone who provides political or economic support to Russia's fraudulent territorial claims. And I've been in close touch with our NATO allies, who are united in our resolve to take on his aggression. According to a draft version of the resolution released to the media, 
The U.N. demands that Moscow pull its troops out of Ukraine and says that illegal so-called referenda organized by the Kremlin to try and claim four territories as Russian have no validity under international law and do not form the basis for any alteration of the status of these regions of Ukraine. This comes as the U.S. announced plans to provide an additional $625 million in military aid to Ukraine, a package that includes additional advanced multiple-launch rocket systems credited with helping the country's military gain momentum in its war with Russia. Major Glenn Ignazio joined News Nation and said that while the U.S. and its NATO allies are beefing up the lines of defense in Europe, He's not entirely sure that if Russia escalates the war in Ukraine with a tactical nuclear explosion, that NATO would respond in kind. The actions with a lot of our deployments that are really beefing up the border, say in Poland and so forth, I think that the action is really what's important versus the words. That's how Putin really responds to things is by action and by strength. And we have put a lot of forces on those particular borders just in case. It's really one of the things is that you have now escalated this to a nuclear capable type of uh, conflict. Would we respond in kind? Man, that would be really dangerous. And again, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, so NATO may not respond accordingly. But boy, how do you contain that type of nuclear assault? Uh, That would really be something of uh, contention, especially with uh, NATO being right there on the border. Ignacio explains how even with the troop mobilization from Russia, it will not be good for Moscow. We had this 300,000 call up recently, and these are troops that are... Uh, or at least they're not going to be trained whatsoever. I mean, we saw conscripts in the beginning, which was a huge slaughter for Russia. Then we had some seriously trained soldiers that were also beat up. And this 300,000, which did not go over well within Russia, is not going to be good for them. There's going to be extensive losses. The retired Air Force major goes on to say that while Ukraine's counteroffensive has been successful, pushing Russia completely out of the country will take some time. Well, it's definitely running out of steam, and there has been significant gains. I mean, they've lost about uh, another 10%. So you saw, again, in the northeast, south of Kharkiv, and Lyman, as we mentioned yesterday, Lyman is really key for logistics and communication. They lost that, and there's an incredible front towards the the south, which is actually south of Mykolaiv in the Kherson area. That was one of the biggest uh, strongholds that Russia held. So these strong areas that Russia has said is now their territory are really being, um, you know, the penetration of the Ukrainian forces have been significant. So Russia's losses have been significant and Ukraine's gains have been phenomenal, but it's still a lot of effort to push them completely out of Ukraine, and that could take many months. According to a new report by the U.S. Treasury released on Tuesday, the nation's gross national debt has surpassed $31 trillion. Meantime, President Biden has bragged about his administration's deficit reduction effort and recently signed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which attempts to tame 40-year high price increases. However, economists now say the latest debt numbers are a major cause for concern. Texas Congressman Jody Arrington took to the House floor to decry the growing national debt. Uh, the founding father, the father of America, our first president, George Washington, 
uh, in his farewell address, warned us about three big threats. He mentioned foreign influence, factions that divide us and weaken the bonds uh, of, of American unity and American oneness. Uh, but then he mentioned that uh, we must avoid the accumulation of debt, not only by shunning occasions of expense, but by vigorous exertion in times of peace to discharge the debts which unavoidable wars may have occasioned. Translation, you may have to borrow money when you're in a world war. The Republican goes on to say that it's immoral that the next generation be saddled with such debt. The last time we were over 100% debt to GDP, our nation was willing to make the, the cuts to expenses and bring down the debt when we were in peacetime. We are now at 128% over the, 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 the size of debt relative to our economy in World War II. We are carrying the largest debt in the history of the United States, and we're not at war. And the horizon and the trajectory, not, over, not only 10 years, but if you look at 100 uh, or 30 years, it's over $120 trillion in additional debt. It's mind-boggling. It's unconscionable, and I think it's immoral to hand a country in such shambles, fiscally, and so bankrupt to the next generation. On Tuesday, Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire announced he's deploying two National Guard units to the southern border. The 164 members of New Hampshire's National Guard are set to be deployed to Texas for a year. There, they will assist Customs and Border Protection in securing the southern border. However, their duties will be detection and monitoring logistics and transportation as military personnel do not take part in civilian law enforcement activities. Governor Sununu says the deployment is in the interest of New Hampshire because of drugs coming across the border. This deployment, even more than others, directly affects New Hampshire. When you're talking about the human trafficking, when you're talking about the drugs and the money and the, the weapons that are coming over the border, uh, that's exactly what the orders are for these folks, to uh, men and women, to be there to provide support services uh, to push back on, on what, what's coming across that border. Greg Hyoshorn, the Director of Public Affairs for the New Hampshire National Guard, explains the duties the Guard's men and women will be taking on. They'll be manning surveillance posts along the border that they're responsible for. And that will allow the agents to focus more on the ground in dealing directly with the people coming across the border. This comes as Arizona Governor Doug Ducey has deployed more shipping containers along his state's border with Mexico. News Nation's Allie Bradley says that the governor hopes to use the shipping containers as a deterrent. When it came to voters and what they thought about securing the border, they were pretty split. But one thing is for sure, on the top of our News Nation headquarters poll was building the border wall. That's something that many law enforcement individuals agree with, as well as an option for people uh, to deter people and drugs to come into this country. They say it's a tool to be used. It's not going to, to get rid of all of the illegal immigration, but rather a tool that would be used. And that's exactly what they're hoping for here in Cochise County, a deterrent. Bradley also says that when the project is done, 
It will span 10 miles along the southern border. Sources tell me when all is said and done, thousands of containers will be used to create the steady barrier wall that is set to span 10 miles along U.S. forest lands. This morning, I witnessed several containers being moved out of the staging area here in Whetstone. The governor's spokesperson saying they have a location set but cannot confirm where, just that it is within Cochise County. Last month, the governor said they would put more barriers in place wherever necessary. According to several reports across multiple sources, many cities in Texas have been completely overwhelmed by the influx of migrants with two million encounters recorded by Customs and Border Patrol in the last financial year. That's an all-time high. A group of Democrats is asking President Biden to declare a national climate emergency. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this developing story. A climate emergency would empower the president to use the Defense Production Act, which would provide loans to bolster clean energy production and also to ban the imports of products deemed harmful to the environment. The group of senators, including Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, is pushing for the executive action despite passage of the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act earlier this year. Bob Agnew reporting. In a revived bid for Twitter, Elon Musk decided to once again offer the original price of $54.20 a share, potentially avoiding a courtroom fight. The Tesla and SpaceX mogul made the proposal in a letter to Twitter. When the news hit, shares in Twitter climbed as much as 18%, and according to Bloomberg, trading has since been halted. Robert Cantwell, Upholdings Portfolio Manager, joined Bloomberg Technology and said, in his opinion, that Musk's financial partners may have been put off by the transparency of the deal, which may have forced the Tesla mogul's hand. Well, uh, our take is that uh, Elon, the whole renegotiation was an option uh, that didn't pay out. And it was a perfectly rational thing for him to pursue and put money into and, you know, folks are wondering uh, how much money to lose on the lawyers. But, you know, he had the opportunity to win billions back in, in a purchase price. And uh, clearly, as, as the case wore on and as the text messages even began to leak, uh, you know, our suspicion is that his financial backers are not comfortable with that stuff being transparent. And so when he's facing, you know, the potential loss of his co-investors uh, versus, you know, having to pay a little bit more of a premium for the deal, uh, I think it's become clear here that he was willing to take the deal at the higher price uh, without losing the backing of his uh, partners. Cantwell goes on to say that perhaps Musk saw that the price for Twitter may go up in the next year or two and thought the original offer was the better deal. A lot of this could be also framed around knowing that that price that he negotiated in April, the market had come down a little bit. We hadn't reached the June lows yet. So there was a 90-day window there where he was trying to get a little bit cute around the price that he was paying. But now that you're seeing the market recovering, now that you're hearing from other Federal Reserves around the world that they're starting to think about loosening uh, how far they're going to go on interest rates, you're starting to see equity multiples come back. And that also could have been a consideration where if, if he really did still want Twitter in his heart of hearts, he might have had to pay even more for it a year from now. So as market prices are improving, that also made the deal financially more attractive at, at where he had agreed to it previously. And there, there's still a very long path from here until the deal closing. 
but it certainly seems as likely as it's ever been. However, not everyone was happy with the news. According to a report in the New York Times, in Twitter's internal Slack messaging system, some employees said that Twitter would not have to be owned by a moron. Amazon launched a new shopping portal for those on government assistance. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens takes a look at how this story is developing. It's called Amazon Access. It's a hub that places all of Amazon's services for low-income customers in one place. Users can find information about the Amazon layaway program that they can use to pay for their orders over time. Amazon also accepts Snap cards for food purchases. Amazon also announced that it renamed its discounted Prime membership to Prime Access. Tasha Stevens reporting. Loretta Lynn, who passed away at the age of 90, went from poverty in the Appalachian area of Kentucky to one of the most prominent and important country music voices ever. Daybreak Insider's Margie Zaroletta has a look back on the coal miner's daughter. If you knew nothing else about Loretta Lynn, you knew she was a coal miner's daughter. Lynn came from humble beginnings and used that as material for her music. She married Oliver Doolittle Lynn when she was 13. He heard her singing around the house and bought her a guitar, and she taught herself how to play and write songs. Lynn said in a 2010 AP interview she was a housewife and mother for 15 years before she became an entertainer. I had to live my songs to write them, and I think it's everyday living. I think everybody probably lives the same way. I'm Archie Zaroletta. And finally, Major League Baseball's American League has a new single-season home run king. Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees hit his 62nd home run of the season on Tuesday against the Texas Rangers, and that breaks Roger Maris's American League record. Judge had gone without a home run during the Yankees' final regular season homestand, a three-game set against Baltimore. However, on the road, Judge hit his 62nd home run against Texas pitching in the first inning. The Yankees enter the postseason as the number two seed in the AL. They'll conclude the regular season Wednesday against the Rangers. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.